Don Rahul Jimenez. How amateur is that? Like, you don't even see that down in the park. If they, if they lose, it provides great content. I am supporting every team that plays break. I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Who would you rather lose it to, by the way, me or Johnny? That's somebody's choice. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Sports Rebel. Um, we've had our international break, the four of us. With a little week off, with with pod books, with um, Will Downing's pod was out with us last week. We sat down with myself and Patrick, and that was brilliant. But the four of us are back in um, the four dream team to chat about the return of the Premier League, what's going on with our teams, and also some European action. Uh, so I'll introduce everyone as always. Um, Patrick the Brain, thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having me. Hello, Mister Mr. Tall, the boss man. Hello. Hello. How are we all? And uh, Nicholas Pepe, Jonathan Douglas, how are you? Well, Frodo. <laughs> That's the first time you haven't called him Mudman. Yeah, I'm trying to mix it up every week. He likes Mudman too much, so I want to find something he doesn't like. Um, so that'll be from right my next week, task. Yeah, we're back on the chat about the football because it's came back. Um, not that we all sort of watch international football, I'm sure, but it's a bit different when it's your club team. Um. Wins this week for Chelsea and Liverpool. Johnny, a draw against a hard uh, fought draw against Leeds. Uh, we'll maybe go there first so you can get it off your chest. Um, some positives from the game, despite obviously still not creating enough chances, probably would be the main gripe with Arsenal at the minute. Pepe sending off, which I'm sure you want to discuss. What do you also make? Um, about Saka's role, and I haven't heard just how bad, hello Spud, how bad is uh, Saka's injury, and like just how important is he becoming to Arsenal? Yeah, um, I suppose the two players that were kind of messed, they're Saka and Pepe. Pepe was brought in to be the the future and the, the next big thing at Arsenal, but it seems to actually be an academy player in Saka, which is actually nice, you know, when you get these young lads come through and cost you next to nothing, you know. Um, haven't heard anything about Saka's injury um, at the moment, so hopefully it's not too bad. Uh, he raced through there, and I thought he should have scored in the game when Bellerin had him through, but you know, one of those one of those chances. Um, Pepe is sending off. It was stupid, uh, idiotic is a lot of the word. The word's been thrown about a lot. Um, he hasn't been in great form, Pepe, this season so far. So it is a loss, but in the same time, it's it's not really with with the current form of, well, I suppose not just Pepe, but a lot of a lot of players of the team. Um, the the Leeds player made the most of it, as of course he's going to, and he's a wee scumbag. And Pepe should have headbutted him probably. Jamie didn't. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, like you said, it was probably in the end a good point, but at the same time. You know, Leeds have fucking conceded four goals in I think it was two games previous. So there there is a problem there, obviously. You know, we're not scoring enough goals. We haven't scored a goal from open play in five hours of football. So like that is a bit worrying, especially when you have a player like a Bamiang up front. Um I'm gonna just briefly ask again what the fuck William offers this team and why he's starting. And why the fuck he thought he'd go to Dubai during the week? Can somebody just fucking answer me the question of why William is still at Arsenal? Like, why? Why the fuck is he even there in the first place? Um, I'll try. I know Breton will know better than me, but I think Arsenal thought it was too good a deal to turn down because it was free. I know his wages are obviously gastronomic, but I thought it was probably too good a deal to bring in because of. Like, look what he's won. Look what he, he has done at Chelsea. And there are times where when William turns it on, he, he, he's brilliant. But I don't know how many times Arsenal are going to get that. So I, I can understand. You know what it's it's like for me? And, and this isn't a dig, Brent, not a hero of your... Or, 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 it's like when Liverpool signed Joe Cole. 
Like when he first arrived in our in Liverpool fan base, everyone was buzzing, and especially some of the, the players that played with Joe Cole for England were buzzing because they'd signed Joe Cole, Stephen Gerrard, notably. And then it just was a poo sandwich the whole the whole experiment. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue with the business sense from Arsenal. You know, signing a thirty-two-year-old in a three-year deal is a great business. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. I know, like, it, like Arsenal thought it was. If Arsenal thought that was a good deal, William absolutely blew his spuds at the fact he got a three-year deal at Arsenal. Because Chelsea, Chelsea had him for what fucking near ten years, and they wouldn't offer him a three-year deal. So does that not say I something, actually, Mike? I actually forgot it was three years. Yeah. Apologies. Well, Arsenal are, are famous tough negotiators. You know, like they're they're really strict with those sort of things. So it it brings into question again. Edu for me, like Edu has brought in all these fucking Brazilians. Some of them have been good, like Gabriel has been fantastic, Martinelli, but David Luiz, he's been hot and cold as the way he has been at Chelsea. He's been hot and cold, um, and then William, and then Pablo Mari, who everybody's kind of forgot about because he's been fucking injured ever since he arrived. Uh, <clears throat> like it seems like Edu is looking after his Brazilian mates. And it has to bring in the question why the fuck they did offer him a three-year deal. It's absolute madness. You can kind of, at the time we were fuming about David Luiz, but you can understand at the end of the day why they give David Luiz another contract for a year. But to give William a three-year deal, like the, for the first game he played, first he played fucking brilliant. He got two assists, but he was playing in fucking blue, so he probably thought he was still at Chelsea. You know what I mean, Nick? <laughs> Ever since, he's been fucking yeah, shit. You should, like, surely you would think that Arsenal know that if he's been at Chelsea for however long and they know him better than anyone, if they're not going to offer him that, that three-year deal, then surely there's question marks there from Arsenal. But no, they just went straight ahead and, and did it anyway. Like, they're bound to have known it was a risk um, when they first did it. And it, it doesn't seem like, like as you said, the first couple of games he did seem decent. Like he two assists in his first game, didn't he? But yeah, um, he he's not the sort of player. He probably should be playing more of a like Giroud role at Chelsea now, where you maybe don't see him for two or three games, and uh, then he's rested and he comes on and makes an impact. Um, but he shouldn't be your starter now, week in week out. No, definitely not. There's there's other people there that deserve an opportunity. Like the likes of Reese Nelson, his development's been held back because they brought in William. Pepe barely got a start this season, and then when he does get an opportunity, he goes and headbutts friggin' all these players. So it's and then Aubameyang's been had to play out in the wing. He got playing through the centre of the weekend, which sure made no difference because we're not getting the ball enough to him. Um. It's worrying, you know, especially when you see what's coming up over the next month. You know, Spurs are coming up very soon. Chelsea are coming up in December as well. So uh, the games aren't getting any easier for Arsenal. Like, and if they're not going to fucking score goals, they're going to get absolutely thumped by the Chelsea team at the minute because they're in form. They're still defending well, though, but the worry would be that <coughs> five coming up close to soon, six hours of no goal from open play. Like, that's... Yeah. You can get away with that maybe one or two games at a time. Maybe team can get away with that. But if that starts going on and on and on, it, it starts to feed in and starts to fester and starts to get a bit of a worry. Look, especially when you do have the firepower up front and there's just nothing coming from midfield. And I, I don't know where Arsenal go and who they try in midfield now because Chibayas is a real strange one for me. I don't know if you, no disrespect to anyone, but if you can turn up at Porter Down on a cold Wednesday night and get roasted. By poor down, by another under twenty ones, and deservedly roasted because they're much better than you. I don't know if you're going to have much of a chance in the Premier League. He's um he's obviously split opinion. Um, like this is this is twice now, one very publicly at Fulham, and then obviously in training, David Louise dug him straight in the snout, and <laughs> you know, fair enough. Like Sabayos is a wee runt, and if somebody was. If he was going in and sticking his studs in the May ankles, like fucking right, I'd turn out and whack him as well. So for me, Sabayos, unless he turns his form around again, 
I wouldn't be keeping him on again. I wouldn't be looking to make the deal permanent. To be honest, I think we kind of need something a bit better than Spiles anyway, but sure, that's a totally different conversation for another time. Um, Breton, the Chelsea train keeps on rolling. It does, just about. Um, they weren't, I must say, they weren't overly convincing tonight against Ren, um, but got the job done, three points. Um, and that, I think that just shows where, where they're at the minute, like things are going their way. Um, Frank brought Jerome about 20 minutes, half an hour to go, and um, he was putting himself about. But uh, it was actually Werner missed a, a really good chance, and it just kind of ricocheted up into the air. And it was a great leap from Jerome uh, to Barry's header in like the 90 plus second minute, I think it was. Um, but it's so important because it, it means that Chelsea do qualify now and they have those two games to uh, rest players. I, I mean, I suppose technically Kosovia scored late against Krasnodar, you know, first place in that group is up for grabs, but um, the, both those teams are qualified now, so um, it sort of can lead them um, a, bit of, a bit of play with, you know, especially with those, a lot of fixtures coming up. Uh, in December and some big ones like starting with Spurs on Sunday so um, yeah in a good place and that was an important goal and it showed the quality kind of the squad tonight too I think like Hudson and Deutschman played well got his goal um, obviously Giroud as well um, getting his goal so Kante was rested for most of the game as well um, Havertz came back in and you know we'll hopefully Pulisic is going to be fit again for the weekend so um, it, it all looks quite good at the moment um, but they haven't really been tested since they've been on this run. Uh, they kept that uh, those clean sheets um, just to be solid at the back for three or four games in a row. And um, since then, they haven't really been tested. Um, so it'll be interesting when they, I think they've um, spurred in the Leeds very soon and um, Wolves and Arsenal. You know, so some tough games coming up. So it was very important to get that. That's three points tonight. Just on Werner, I I text uh, you at the weekend that he reminds me of someone already. Mm-hmm. Now, Patrick Renshaw doesn't think this fella's a very good footballer, right? This fella he reminds you of. Patrick would dispute mm-hmm. with me on a daily basis and his two little pig brothers would dispute with me on a daily basis but he's a good footballer, this fella, right? But he reminds me so much of Mo Salah. And you know, and, and Patrick's going to say, aha, I'm right here, but it's the chances he misses sometimes as well. He reminds me of Salah. <laughs> Do any of you remember the chance Salah missed at the new camp? It's like right yes. in front of Goni, smacked the top of the post. The post, yeah. yeah that, that's, like one of Ver- his, that's one of his closer efforts, to be fair. I'm going to smash your face then after the <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Werner will do that too, Breton. Like, he, He'll score yeah, brilliant I mean, chances or he'll set up an amazing chance and he'll blitz past someone like he's on a moped and then he'll, he'll miss the sitter. It's so strange, but I don't know. I know Patrick doesn't feel this way, but because Werner is so good, do you sort of feel like you can let him away with it? Basically, yes, for what he's done so far. You know that um, he's always also going to do something good in the game. Um, it's just like you, you would have expected him to put away those couple of chances. Uh, that he's had so far. I mean, that was one, I don't know if any of you last watched the game tonight, but <clears throat> it was one very early on in that game, uh, that Ren game. Hudson Boy put a great ball, spizzed it across the six yard box, and I mean, he was, he was four yards out, Werner, and he skated. Um, and he, he two very good chances against Newcastle as well, which he missed. But then, you know, for Tommy Stoll, he, he completely roasts the whole Newcastle defence and puts it on a plate for him. So, you know, that was ridiculous to them. Yeah, I mean it was here in Clark. So it, it was great it was great play by Werner, like, but he shouldn't have let somebody just run through you like that. Fucking it was unbelievable. But uh, the chance to use actually that chance I remember him missing was in the first half. I think he I actually thought it was going in. Yeah. I was like, was this this loud or something? And then it's one past the post. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was uh, he, he did. He missed a couple of chances actually, but um no, I he, the quality. I, I know what you mean about Salah. Like he, he sort of, he can't. He's not that polished or something. If you know what I mean. Um, like when I watch 
Mane, he's much more polished. Like every touch he takes is is on purpose, sort of thing. Um, and his finishing seems to be so consistent. Um, yeah. I think I know what you mean about um Werner reminding me of Salah. It's just lesser in pace and, and just kind of runs with his head down. And um, but there is there's immense quality there, obviously. You know, in both players, like so, I don't know what you mean, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 it doesn't worry me, for example. Um, it's just we, we've seen the quality you can bring already. And, um, along, I mean, really, um, I think Tommy has done very well. I think he deserves like a lot of credit for kind of forcing himself into that team um, and staying there. He, he was very good against Newcastle and sort of he was kind of. You know, unselfish in a way where he, he comes in and, and gets the ball, lays it off, and then he makes runs that strike defenders too. That lets the likes of, of Timo and, and Ziyech uh, exploit them, and then he also gets into good positions as well. And, and he finally got his goal on Saturday. So I think he's been this is actually stepped up to the challenge, which is great to see. And uh, like. The Chelsea defence as well seems to be now, especially with Mendy, seems to be like, obviously, Newcastle didn't really test his granted on Saturday, but he's remissing Thiago Silva, so I know beforehand there's probably a little bit of a worry about how this is going to be, but the two lads are sent half for Grant, same again tonight. It will be interesting how he's coped with Harry Kane and Son Heung Ming on Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think he's well... I don't, I'm not saying you're going to get beat, but I, I think that they'll one of them will score. Uh, I don't, if Chelsea keep a clean sheet basically in that game, then I'll be stupidly impressed. And that's not just saying because of Chelsea's defence. Like I, I would, those two look like they're going to roast everyone's defence at the minute. Um, yeah, I hope you fucking smash them, smash the bastards, so, fucking stick our uh, up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Somebody hit him on mute. Um, <laughs> He's had a few weeks off, I'm, so he's just. He's, I'm gonna make you do a Bush Tucker trial, you wee dickhead, you know that. Um, give, give me the fish so. eyes, boy. <laughs> Would you rather eat fish eyes or wear a Tottenham shirt up four down High Street? <laughs> I'd rather eat an entire bowl of fish eyes. <laughs> I would eat fish eyes for the rest of the week. <laughs> let let the the little bit inside like just drip down the chin and yeah, oh. the, the black. Yeah, there, there's a visual for you. Uh, um, yeah, so what I was saying was, um, so I'm not sure what you, the rest of you said. Well, know what Johnny thinks, but um, I'll be very impressed with Chelsea if they can hold out, keep Spurs from, from causing trouble on on Sunday. Um, Patrick, uh, Liverpool playing Leicester on Wednesday night, or th- Sunday night there. Uh, I know a few of us were worried, me especially, because um, we had 350 injuries and we didn't know who was going to play at the back, but they were excellent. But I'm feeling something at Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool were superb. Um, you know, missing six, six of their starting 11, but it just worked. Um, Leicester are kind of a good team for us to play because Leicester are in this sort of weird position that they think they're a big club, they think they're good, and they are good. But they're not that good, so they come at you a bit. Uh, they're not just—they don't just sit and camp on the edge of their box and do all this sort of shit and stick football. They actually try to play, and then it leaves a load of gaps. And you know, they're when that happens, they're they're very beatable. But uh, yeah, Liverpool were brilliant. Like Vardy hardly got a kick, and we had you know Matip and Fabinho at the back. They targeted our—they went. All their attacks down there left Liverpool's right to target Milner, but Milner was absolutely brilliant. Um, so solid in defence and was playing really incisive balls up up in the channels for for Jota. So uh, yeah, just a, an absolutely brilliant performance. Um, very very solid. I thought uh, Curtis Jones in particular had a really mature performance. Um, very measured. Great feet, kept the ball ticking over. Didn't do anything spectacular, but just did everything well. And just still a teenager, teenager, but slotted in seamlessly into the midfield. And you know, I, I think in contrast to Madison, who hardly hardly got into the game, like J- Jones already looks like, you know, he 
he he's sort of one of the best young midfielders in England. Uh, maybe that's very hyperbolic, but I, I think he I think he's already at a level that's above, you know, some of the players who are running around to the England squad, like Dali Ali, Madison, you know, people who have been pushing. But um yeah, good good performance. Really delighted. Jada Jada's a little freak like he's so good. <laughs> he's a lot better than I thought he was. Just next. Really intelligent runs, really clever link up play. Um and I think that's maybe his third header, you know, and he's he's about four foot tall, you know, so it just shows the quality of his runs and the quality of our crossing that he's he's been able to score score three headers in recent weeks. Um so yeah. He's looking um he's looking undroppable now, lads. You know when that happens when you sign someone, think how they're gonna fit in, and the next thing they just take the ground, and you're like, well, I don't know what to do here. Like, well, I was like just about trying... to actually ask. I was just about to yeah. ask you, boys. Like, what do you do now? Like, for example, you know, you plan tomorrow night at home to Atlanta. Who do you start? Will he will he start that four again, like he did in the previous game against Atlanta, or does he drop somebody? I think it'll be quite a changed team tomorrow against Atlanta. I don't know yeah, what you think, Scully, but I, I can I can see a whole raft of changes. And I think you're more likely to see a front three of well, probably Salah now that he's back because he wasn't playing at the weekend. Maybe like Salah, Origi and Shakiri or something odd like that, maybe. Uh, I don't know what you think, Philly. I think I think you'll see Firmino again because uh, he scored and he played so well and club will know it's important to try and get him up and running. Um. I think you'll see Salah, and I think you might see Minamino. Yeah, uh, I, I also think big, there'll big be changes fellas. up the changes up the back as well. Um, for Liverpool, I think you could see maybe Reese Williams play again, um, and maybe Nico Williams as well full back. And I, I I'm just going to move maybe on Danny Robertson as well. As well. Yeah. I'd like to see Simicast. I'd like to see Robertson rested. Just on Andy Robertson, we were, we were talking in a WhatsApp group today, um, folks about him. How good is he in terms of other fullbacks in, in Europe, lads? And Johnny, you can go first there because you haven't jumped in yet. He's about third or fourth. <laughs> but obviously, Keir Tierney is the best. And if we're talking Keir just, just fullbacks, it. not just left fullbacks. If we're talking about fullbacks, then he's probably about sixth or seventh because Hector Ballard is the second best. Keir and then, Tierney and his. Keir Tierney was not the fudge stickles out of every single Liverpool player. Every single one. Have you Don't seen start. my son's hands? Kieran Tierney would get boofed by my nine-month-old. Kieran Kier- no, Tierney this. would drop kick Finn into the park. So, <laughs> whatever. Um, right. A serious answer from Brenton and Patrick there? Or? Yeah, he's I thought he was unbelievable. Um, Never too well. It's better. better. Yeah, that's uh, Robertson. Like, um, there you are. Else, he's on a um, he's on a path to becoming, um, you know, as good. But he's in good form at the moment. Yeah, um, I think right now uh, Robertson's probably the best left back in Europe. Um, nobody else really springs to mind as. Um, maybe Luke Shaw. In <laughs> <laughs> a donut eating competition, he'd be the best fullback. <laughs> Rude. I can hardly, I can hardly get that out thing into laughter, but um, yeah, he's he, pure quality. I think the um, he, he's so good, like in the transition. If you know what I mean, and he, he seems to always, um, he seems to always kind of. Pick the right thing to do, whether it be pass it. Um, usually, it's passing forward, but um, but the way he, uh, I can't remember who came out to challenge him. Was it Madison? Maybe jumped in for the ball he put in, um, but he just kind of knocked it around him and sort of ran around the ball and whipped in that unbelievable ball for um, for Jada's goal. Um, he was scary good. I actually thought both Ken and Milner were brilliant, uh, and when people were sort of questioning the. The depth in Liverpool squad, I thought they looked scary good at the weekend. Like after Chelsea's run, like people are saying, "Oh, can they make a challenge you know, for the title?" But uh, as I was saying earlier, I don't think Chelsea played 
um, enough good teams yet to kind of gauge where they're at. And I think they probably will fall away a wee bit. But with Liverpool missing like what five or six players, like big players, uh, I thought they were very, very good against a lesser team who are in form. Since since Van Dijk's been injured, we've conceded in seven games. We've only conceded three goals. Because they've had to, they've had to like everyone's had to stand up now and, and not rely on him obviously as much. Not saying everyone was relying on him anyway. It's unfair, but people have had to start taking more responsibility. And you can see that now. If any of you saw Carragher's video from Monday Night Football last night, where he was talking about the the shape of the back four and how they stayed together, even when young Nico Williams came on, he was brilliant. At fullback, they, they still held that shape. And there's, there's a part in the second half, lads, and you'll know this from, from playing football, where you're trying to stay on side, say. And Johnny Evans had the ball, and three times he went to pass, and three times Liverpool's defence moved forward. Barty was offside, so he had to stop. He turned, went to go again, then moved forward, and it was Barnes was offside, he had to stop. And when he went to go again, they moved to side forward, and I'm not sure who was offside, and then Liverpool ended up winning the ball back off him. Yeah, but it's not even like, yes, the forward started pressing on him, but it, he looked up at the back forward, a fireball over the top, and they were just in one unit move. I haven't seen Liverpool defence do that. Do you know what I mean? Or I haven't seen somebody show it in video anyway. And it's just very, very impressive. And I think it was probably a, a performance and a result at the weekend that maybe the rest of the league who certainly were hoping that Liverpool were going to falter now with these injuries because you do as rivals and you want your team to win I probably thought ah no actually this team looks okay and they've had the Atlanta result away which is amazing they had a couple of dozen decent performances this year but I think that one on Sunday night was the one so far this season where even I've thought to myself Jesus we're looking good good Nick here to go again so it was interesting I would have Robertson at the minute Alfonso Davies is injured I'd have Robertson at the top and fullbacks, I just think he started so so well this season. Frightening actually how well he started with club and country. Um, ben Tilwell certainly coming along, and in a year's two time, wouldn't um doubt that he'd be right up there. Um, and on the other side, Reese James certainly at Chelsea, and Kieran Tierney coming through at Arsenal too. Kieran Tierney's a brilliant player, and don't doubt that at all. Like, um, so yeah, it is interesting. Um, Johnny, we're going to have to mention them, so please behave yourself, but. The Death Star are looking looking quite decent at the minute. Nine games. Yeah, it is, <laughs> certainly. Uh, yes, I'm glad you can I read. Thought, I thought you were Come talking on. about Pepe at the start there, and then I realised it's hot. <laughs> no, we're past Pepe. Pepe, Pepe, is, Pepe is done. We're, 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 we're going to talk about that lot. Listen, if they're up there come May time, then fair enough. But listen, boys, it's, it's early days. <laughs> If they're up at come May time, you not watch football ever again. No, I doubt it will. Well, you say update, update for you, and surprise, surprise, United have a penalty. Uh, it's not. Uh, can't even. Uh, they're they're annoying. That... They're another annoying bastards. Sort of God. But um, and also, just on... uh, Ronaldo has scored again. Just for all the haters out there, just want to remind people every time. Great strike. Thanks for that. Still shite. Um. Well, Rashford took a penalty <laughs> rather than Fernandez, just interestingly. Oh. Yeah, Fernandez on a hat trick as well. I don't know what that's. He was on a hat trick, yeah. But we'll get another penalty later, and that'll be him. And uh, that's everything from the score centre. Back to Phil. <laughs> <laughs> what a podcast this is. Um, Spurs for those of us that can can bear it. Uh, they look really good. They look really good, and Harry Kane, behave yourself, gentlemen. At the minute, he looks like the best player in the league this season so far. It's, yeah, I, I'm sure you're a wee bit worried about Sunday, Brenton. Can we move on or No, overall, um, Chelsea are a better team than Spurs. They are. Um, I, I would like to think that Chelsea have a better squad, um, I would say. And... Another factor, I suppose, is that uh, Spurs are playing on Thursday night. Um, yes. And Chelsea are, you know, playing an early game on Tuesday, which is today. So, you know, it gives them a whole two days 
um, to recover. And I, I don't know what sort of uh, team Rangers going to put out in the Europa League. Spurs are pretty comfortable in that group. Have they qualified or they're very close to it anyway? Um, so uh, you could know, rest a lot of players tomorrow night. But yeah, and in, in the I didn't really like Spurs had have had a couple of decent results in the Premier League. Like, um, they beat beat Burnley away from home and um, well, obviously the United game. But since that, they've been you know just consistently winning by basically Mourinho results. But it was really the Man City uh, result that sort of caught my attention and probably caught most people's attention and uh, kind of made made me have another look at Spurs and they're basically just they're solidifying themselves on the Mourinho and they're just becoming a Mourinho team. Um, and I think on this pod before we've spoken about how can you really play that type of football anymore and can you you know sacrifice that much possession? I think Man City had like seventy percent possession or something and um you know double the amount of passes and all this here and uh it, like over twenty shots and Spurs had five or something. So um it's it's just what you come to expect from Reno. It'll be really interesting to see tactics wise what happens in something if it is um <laughs> Uh, Johnny, yeah. you close that fucking window. <laughs> no, you leave the dog alone. <laughs> um, as I was saying before, so really interrupted. Um, yeah, I think he's got he's got his players in there that he trusts now, and Hoiberg and uh, and Dublin is so good. Like it's such a Mourinho kind of midfield. Yeah, and as you said before, Kane and Kane coming deep is really it's really. It's kind of selfless again. Uh, spoke a wee bit about it earlier with Tommy, and um, but Kane's doing it to more of an extent. He's, he's really coming in deep, calling the balls so much as if he, he really wants it. But a lot of the time, it's being popped in behind there. You know, the centre half follow Kane into the middle of the park, and then Son and uh, Bergwijn or whoever else is playing, um, make that. And it was perfect example. Son's goal against City, um, make that run into the space then, and he had the. I mean, so clinical son every time he gets in there since the score. So um, that's working. And I think, you know, Lampard will obviously have to look at that. Um, but I think where, where Chelsea will probably get at them is if Aurea starts again, um, certainly down that side, um, Chelsea can go at them with Werner. And um, Regulon hasn't, you know, it, I think he was good against City, but um, he hasn't probably been tested again. So, Reese James and Ziyech probably down that right hand side will uh, is where I would say Chelsea have um, will give Spurs cause for concern, but should be a good game. Like um, probably two of the three most informed teams in the league at the minute. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself. I think it'll be I think it'll be a brilliant game. Um, the the Harry Kane move and how he's switching deep and look. It was a great win for Spurs the weekend, but if your two centre-halves are going to run about playing chases instead of actually marking anyone, and you can fire the ball over the top for Son Hung Ming, you're going to be in big trouble. And if your goalkeeper... I don't know if you saw a second goal, and then it was highlighted, I think, on match the day, maybe. How far out Ederson comes? Both for goals, the Celtic. Yeah. He comes far yeah, yeah, out for the Celtic. Like, he, but, like... This is the, yeah, the first one he comes out, and I get that because it's one on one, so he's coming. But the second one he comes out to the side, and he's always like, just put it in there, Lo Celso. All right, no bar, will. And he puts it underneath him and scores. It, it's so stupid. Like, it's really uh, brainless goalkeeping, I think. And I think it was, was it Gary Neville maybe said, if he just stays on his line or stays to it, yeah. like, then he gives uh, Lo Celso yeah, like, something to think about. Like, Casper Schmeichel did it to Curtis Jones on Sunday night. He stayed in his line and he ended up making a great save. But Curtis Jones was a similar position and it was on the edge of the box. We were a wee bit closer and he stayed there. I don't know. It's just that sometimes Ederson does that. I, I'm still not sold. He can kick the ball and he can pass really well, but some of his decision making, trying to save the ball, is uh, very questionable. Um, he does that every time, though. If you, if you look at him, like he, he, he comes out like that. 
every time as soon as somebody's anywhere near three on goal, um, he bombs he out. out. Usually he does either you know get a leg on it or but he seemed to come out very early for those two goals and it ba- it basically makes the decision for the striker or or for whoever's run through that you just slide it past him basically. Um, because as you say, stay on the line, and um, you know the the stranger doesn't know what you're going to do, whether you're going to stay up or or go down or whatever. So, um, yeah, strange. Those uh, city don't look great, like in general, they, they do not look no. anywhere near like themselves. Like, um, it's it's really good news for Liverpool, I think, because I do think eventually the likes of Chelsea and Spurs are probably going to falter and fall off a bit. Yeah, especially if they go a wee bit deeper in the European competition, Spurs just classy playing those Thursday nights like it really is a killer. Um, but if City aren't firing and they're dropping points right now, yeah, and Liverpool are still doing that with, with the injuries that they have, uh, they're sort of um, they're looking good again for the for a team that they Well, still, as John says, only nine games or so, and it's still a long way to go, but uh, I'd say City fans are bit worried with how they've been getting on and um, we have a question sort of well it's more of a question and a statement then from John Taggart uh, thank you very much John as always for listening to the uh, sports well and he said this lads are football commentators like Sky ripping the ass uh, of it with all the likes of these best 11 combined and who was better either Pele or Ronaldo um, etc etc it's max of our analysis also seems symptomatic of the game becoming less about 90 minutes and more about off-the-field issues and gossips. What do you think? I'll throw my two pains. Sometimes TV shows and podcasts like us can do things like this here because it'll be maybe be a lull in the football. There could be like an international break or there could be something going on and they'll do that so that, you know, we can chat and we have we have a topic to chat about. So I, I don't mind the combined eleven. Uh, or the debates I just think sometimes the debates on who was better uh, is a bit mad because you're, you're talking about different years but that would be my 2B on the whole thing who wants to win there first yeah I, I agree with, with you Philly like um, there's some of it is good and some of it is just sort of clickbait to try and get you know view social media views and um you know, BT or Sky, or whatever, scraping the barrel for for content and advertising money. Um, a lot of it's pure shit. Um, and a lot of the comparing players, as you say, is like comparing apples and oranges. Like it's just two different. You can't compare, or you can struggle to compare players like George Best and uh, and his ilk who played on shag pitches. Um, and a sort of, you know, getting hacked all over the place to to the likes of Messi and Ronaldo. Now it's hard to compare. Hard to compare, but. I suppose it's fun to think of of people like that playing potentially on the same pitch, but um, yeah, I think I think think a lot of it's sort of um, just filler for for companies. Um, yeah, what do you think? I, I like it mostly. You know, um, mm. I, do, I do think um, yeah, the the, the comparing players from different eras is is silly. Like, I'm, it never really seems to. I don't have to do that as much on um, sort of the the main football coverage on TV. It's more sort of shite to see from the Twitter trolls um, who, you know, can switch clubs from one week to another. But um, the, the combined 11s are interesting and, and it gets discussions going about, you know, I don't mind, you know, previous, when they go back to previous games and stuff like that between two clubs and, um all that sort of thing. Like it, it's it's part of. I, I like settling into a game. I don't like just going in and starting at, at minute one. Like I like to build up to a game and, and all these wee different things that we do. So, um, you know, it might annoy some people and um, it might suit suit some other people. So, uh, I don't mind that sort of thing. I, I, I know what John's getting at in that they're, they're probably trying to always come up with a new thing and. Um, trying to get a one-up on his party says like it's, it's kind of is all about sponsorship. I just hope they don't go the way of, um, you know, sponsoring every every ad break and every you know 
like if they do, if they start sponsoring subs and things like that the way they have kind of done in American sports, I think that will be taking the piss a bit too much. But I think they've kind of kept it under control enough. Um, you know, like for example, if they started sponsoring the the AR checks or something like that, like oh, that'd be annoying, horrendous. But but yeah, I don't mind the the football content stuff. Um, it doesn't really annoy me that much. It just by the way, seeing Bruno Fernandez first strike, it was a great goal. Must give it to him. Yeah, top bag. Johnny, what do you make of it all? Uh, yeah, I think they just fucking rip the deck with it. Like to be quite honest, fucking every game, it's you know, Man United, Man City, fucking combined elevens, like fucking give me a break. Like, I thought Gary Neville was a breath of fresh air to Sky Sports, to be honest. I think he's been fantastic. It's good. Jamie Carragher is just, uh, the only reason why Carragher's still employed at Sky because he's such, um, he works very well with Gary Neville, I think. And I think the way they slag each other and stuff kind of is good for viewership and people enjoy that type of thing. But yeah, I agree. Like, you know, you see these things online now, flipping how it started, how it's going. God. If I see another one of them, God almighty. Like, it is just a fucking rip the bag. Like, comparing... Like, and you know what? A lot of... You find a lot of um, English pundits will not... I find They don't really mention George Best a lot. Like, it is more Pele or Maradona. They are absolutely obsessed with them too, but George Best, not so much. My dad never argue, mentioned Cruyff. Yeah, my dad would argue George, George Best is the best player I've ever played the game. Like, so 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 would my dad have said the same. Never saw yeah, him. Yeah, big, big Dave would say the same. Yeah, so I, I completely understand what John's saying. It fucking is so annoying. Like when, like I don't really watch any of the build up to games myself. Um, especially the big games, the friggin' nerve to rack. So you're kind of just kind of chill out, and just <laughs> wait wait about elsewhere for the game to get going. But yeah, fucking, like I'm just like I'm just that sort of person. I just couldn't be asked with. Firing together, fucking a different eleven every other week. Like. I think it does kind of depend on the type of person you are, or, or um, you know what you, what sort of content do you like to see, and uh, um, this sort of thing. Like I, I like when the like a, um when BT Sport have the early game, like they're on air from maybe like half ten, eleven in the morning, and mm-hmm. they just talk shit like for like two hours and. But I love it. Like, do you know what I mean? It, it's it's always just about football, and it's always um, they they do some good interviews and they go into some nice little pieces. Um, but as John says, like some people can't have that. But um, I think it me, depends who's on as well. Like, yeah, yeah, if there's a pundit on that I just cannot stand, like I just won't watch it. Like, they're just, they're very hard to listen to. Like some of them, you're just like you're like I can't have Stephen Lanham. I can't like he just. It's me, Sky Saxon, and the fucking shit that he talks. Like, don't get me wrong, he was a great player, like, but fuck, he talks on bollocks. Absolute dongo. Johnny, yeah, who's, your, who's, who's your nightmare pundit uh, situation? Uh, how, the, say, pick three and a presenter. Current ones at the moment? Yeah. Who, yeah. Who's the worst? Uh, McManaman, Carragher. <laughs> and the theme here? Yeah, that's the thing, John. I'm getting worried there's, here. Do you know what? There's actually three isn't enough. But do you know what? Do you know what I'm going to say? Uh, Martin Keown can't fucking have him as a pundit. Can't have him. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Him Fuck, thank you, me. And I've met the man, like, and all, and shook his hand, all, you know, great player for Arsenal in the day, like, but fuck in hell, he is so, uh, boring. Like, Martin, come on. <laughs> oh, sorry. You know what? Do you know, who, do you know who deserves a special mention? A substitute. Actually, you know what? He will be in the starting three. Martin Keown from the subjects. Fucking Michael Owen. Christ the night. Yes. State the obvious, Michael. If he had got that in target, he would have scored. Fuck no joke, by Jesus, mother of God. I can't, oh, I can't have Michael Owen. I don't even know how that man got employed by any sports company at all. He is useless. I, I think he's quite good, Joe Cole, but I can't have his accent. I want to fight his accent. Um, I just can't have. And look, I am sorry. I have cousins that sound just like him, uh, but I, I don't want to ever talk to these ever again because uh, I just can't. So if, it's just two girls. I don't think they'll listen. I can't mention their name in case someone listens and tells them, but don't ever ring me. Like, just text me because I can't, I can't have your voice. 
What's our names? I can't have not saying. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they can work it out. <laughs> I uh, who I I would like to fight Danny Murphy, but I don't think the BBC would allow it. Um, oh no, he's not. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I'll not pick my favourite ones. I'll go go with the positive ones is uh, Mark Chapman or Kelly Cates. They're both unreal. Uh, Gary Scott. Neville as a pundit. Alex, yeah, Alex Scott will be up there. I'll have Gary Neville. Um, and I would have, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention Jamie Redknapp's an off prick. I'd probably have. Ah, it's hard for me. See, there's a lot of good ones, but at the same time, there is so many bad ones. But you need the bad ones. Oh, I'll tell you who's the who's the best, and she's unbelievable on the radio. Karen Carney, she is brilliant. Karen Carney, Gary Neville, Chapman, or Kelly Keats. Where where would you rate Roy Keane? I quite like it. I, it's See, ser- seriously, though, where, where would you rate him? In uh, the middle, like sometimes, or, or is... sometimes he's decent. Like sometimes he's just on there for you know, like United sort of the old old brigade. Like I think he puts it on sometimes. I think he knows fine rightly he's going to get a reaction on yeah yeah on in in the media. Yeah. Tell um, you who I absolutely hate like. Patrice Avra. Go on. Uh, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I just Patrice Avra is the worst. He but he loves this game. No way. He loves it. He ate raw chicken. That man shouldn't be allowed in TV. He's a danger to himself. He ate raw chicken. Right. I would have talk Ian Wright on for the crack. Oh, Ian Wright too. Ian Wright's good. I, I I gotta say I'm not a massive Owen Hargreaves fan either. No. You just you just listed another one there. I can't stand. And in terms of a host, I, I, I really something about Jake Jake Humphrey sort of grates with me a wee bit. I don't know. <laughs> do you know Do you know who Jake yeah. Humphrey reminds me of? Hey, the Prince. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope, hope the Prince of Rome is listening. I think we go on because Johnny has an engagement to run off to. Um, quickly, quickly. Uh, Oh, see the twelve half twelve kickoffs in BT. Mm-hmm. Jurgen Klopp sort of caused a bit of a storm this week because he went at Jeff Shreves um, <laughs> on Sky about the games and about how Sky and BT have to uh, communicate. I don't particularly enjoy the half twelve game. I must say, I don't really think particularly enjoy that time. But I know why BT have it. That's BT slot. Sky have Monday Night Football and Sky have Super Sunday, so BT had to have something. I get it. I wouldn't. Allow I if I was, and anyway in charge, I wouldn't allow teams that play in Europe to play at half twelve on Saturday, because I think yeah. that is unfair on the teams in Europe. I know teams that aren't in Europe. Maybe people listening to this will think, "Oh, here we go, you're looking after them again." Yeah, you do have to sort of look after them because you're making them play Thursday night or Wednesday night, and then you make them play at half twelve. I think Chelsea or someone was away somewhere stupid, or Man United were away somewhere silly recently and then they had to come home and play again in the half twelve and Klopp highlighted that and said, Why are we doing this? And that's what I would, it was I would United, do that slot. Well, I don't know what you think, but that's what I would do. Yeah. The half twelve is gonna to have to stay. I don't think BT are gonna move. I don't and mind the half twelve. But I, I, I agree I, I, that yeah. you shouldn't play in that slot if you've played say Wednesday night or Thursday. Like that not. Yeah. Or even that's, Tuesday night. Like there, there's enough games that you, you, it's different if everybody's playing like say it's around Christmas and everybody's playing on like the Monday or Tuesday and then you need games at the weekend that's fair enough because it's an even playing field but there's enough teams there who could be playing each other there's enough fixtures that they're not in the, the Champions League of the Europa League that could be slotted in there at the half 12 game on, on a Saturday morning and because I, I do like it as a slot especially now that I'm not playing football like it's something to look forward to on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think it was actually, it was actually Sochar who I first heard sign up because I think they were in Europe and then they had to play Everton or something on, on, on a half to half. Um, yeah. And he was really giving off about it, which, you know, it's, 
probably the first time I've ever agreed with Tony Gunnar Solskjaer, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I completely, I completely agree with that. That's that's not on really. And you're again in this season, you're asking for more injuries to more of your best players in your league. So yeah, knock that in the head and get the five subs in. Um, do you agree, Patrick? Oh, absolutely. Just you know, it makes perfect sense. You know, really shouldn't be. It's you know, qualifying for Europe should be an advantage. You know, you know, you should be looked after. You should be trying to protect the image of your competition by the teams potentially going far in European events. But um, you know, it puts puts teams at a massive disadvantage if they, you know, I think at that stage you you mentioned Brendan about United. I think they maybe were in Istanbul or something, and then you know. Far side, far side of the, the continent, and had to come back and play play away um, on the Saturday morning. So it's 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 not right, and you know there's so many many more injuries at the moment. Muscle injuries. We're also the only major league that's not doing the five subs. You know something's going to give, and you know it, it might be reflected on you know European performance. You know maybe come the later stages of the Champions League, a lot of the English clubs are going to be absolutely bucked. Um. So yeah, it's got to change. And Klopp, you know, whenever Klopp comes out and says something, it does tend to carry a bit of weight. Um. So you know, especially with other managers like Solskjaer or Lampard talking about it, you know, uh, it may well at some stage change. Um. But TV's king. TV pays the bills. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit of a process. I would imagine. You know, where where do where do BT get their slot? You know, we're gonna be playing it. You know. Can they do that on us? Take their slot and move it to Sunday at Morden or something? I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Be interesting to see what goes on with something's going to have to give because it, it's not fair on, on the players currently. Um, that'll do us then for this week, folks. We'll be back uh, next week with our two pods as usual. Again, we'll have um, our sports pal pod and then our bonus world football podcast. We'll have uh, Dan Edwards who. Writes and works for Goal.com, who covers um, the Argentinian football and South American football, and he's based in Buenos Aires, so we're excited for that. And then we have all our guests lined up going forward. So, as always, catch our podcast on all your podcast apps. Just look for the Sports Bubble. Uh, check us out on Twitter and at the Sports Bubble and Instagram as well, and our Facebook channel. And we'll see you again next week, lads. Thanks very much. Chat to you soon. Good luck. <laughs>